0: That's California for welcome. Sorry to shock you there, David. February 28th edition of National Review's Radio Free California podcast. We have the uh, speaker turned up a little loud here. I'm Will Swain, president of the California Policy Center. You can find my colleagues and me at californiapolicycenter.org. You can find my friend and co-host David Bonson right here. He's an economist, the host of the Capital Record podcast, author of the new book, Full Time, Work in the Meaning of Life, and of course, founder of the eponymous investment firm, The Bonson Group. Hello, David. Hello, Will. It is wonderful to be with you in person. In person in the same room. David, lots to get to here very, very quickly. Uh, let's start with the fact that Donald Trump uh, took some time out at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Group, and um, to blast California and Gavin Newsom, that's in fact the headline of a fact-check story from, this is the uh, Sacramento Bee, and the reporter, the headline is, What was and was not true when Donald Trump blasted California, Gavin Newsom, at CPAC? David, there are th- three or four points uh, the reporter raises to kind of fact-check Uh, Trump. And I got to tell you, as much as it uh, makes my skin crawl, Trump is mostly right on these things that they say he got wrong.
1: Well, you're probably going to establish that. I just was going to say before we went through it, just at a coin flip level of evaluating Trump saying something and then a reporter fact-checking who gets the the benefit (laughs) of the doubt. And I don't think I could answer that. I would just be like, I don't know. It's so
0: funny. So here are the, the, I'll say, four items. Uh, Number one, uh, what Trump said at CPAC was that he hopes that Gavin Newsom will run for president. He said a lot of people think Gavin Newsom is going to run in a certain way. I hope so, too. I hope so, because he's destroyed America. The uh, Sackby reporter says... You know, basically, that's false. Newsom has repeatedly said he's not running for president in November. Well, he didn't. Trump didn't say he was. He said he hoped he would. They're very different things. Uh, second, it was that Trump uh, says something about mansions. Uh, he says basically that people are being invited in and they're being Newsom is saying, uh, if you come up here, I shouldn't even do an impersonation. I'm so sorry. If you come up here, we're going to give you pension funds. We're going to have pensions. You're going to we'll give you a mansion. Do you ever see the things that Newsom is promising free health care, free education? Who the hell wouldn't? I may move here, might move there myself, actually. Uh, the reporter goes on to in very dry and bureaucratic tones tell us that Newsom has not actually promised mansions for immigrants mm. arriving in the US unlawfully i call that misunderstanding hyperbole um, because in fact the reporter does acknowledge that in fact you can get into california and get all kinds of benefits and that's really i think any any reasonable reporter wouldn't even but, try to fact check like to
1: me if i were on the side of open borders on on the side of a magnet of the welfare state for illegal immigrants and I knew it was an unpopular position and then there was some of this stuff going on and a critic of it used the word mansions I would be deathly afraid of saying come on it's not mansions yeah (laughs) Because I wouldn't want to draw attention to what it was.
0: Yes, exactly. Like now,
1: everyone who's talking about it is saying, oh man, guess what? What a burn. It wasn't mansions, Trump. <laughs> it was this other thing that's also like really uh, unattractive to the voting
0: public. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So it's uh, former President Donald Trump in a lengthy and falsehood riddled speech. Lengthy and falsehood riddled. Um, so, uh, you know, no mansions. But what we do offer in California, of course, is free health care benefits to illegal and undocumented people. Uh, you can get a job in some states, as we've already, or some places in the state, as we established in last week's uh, episode in San Francisco. You don't have to be a citizen to vote in municipal elections. You can be here as undocumented or you know resident alien
1: and that um, isn't a state thing though that, that wasn't gavin
0: no 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 that's yeah. correct yeah uh, But but the point is, is that we have set up as you said a menu of incentives to encourage people to come here and trump is really pointing that out um, you know i may move there myself who wouldn't want that he says yeah um, and then uh, the the reporter takes issue with the fact that trump says uh he was told by a congressman he did not name that's a classic Trump storytelling style. Uh, that this this person told him they have so much water in California. I said to some of our great congressmen that asked me to help them with a problem up in that area, up in the north of California, I said, I see you have a drought. And they said, no, no, we don't have a drought. We have so much water, you don't know what to do. But they send it out to the Pacific. We're not going to let them get away with that any longer. Um, That's actually somewhat true. Uh, It is fair to say that we have had a drought. It's not that there is no drought. Uh, We have droughts here periodically in California, and as far as we can tell, historically, Always have had droughts, cycles of drought. Um, and it's also true that we mismanage our water, which was really, again, the point of the story. Not no drought, but Sack, B reporter, determined to hammer the round peg of climate change into the square hole of, you know, whatever Donald Trump is talking about. Um, so, uh, I would argue that Trump got that one mostly right, that it is about water mismanagement. The fact that he says he can fix it means that he understands it's mismanagement and not God's gift to creation in the form of, uh, precipitation. And then the f- the final thing that, um.
1: You, what, you know what, though? Okay, he's right. He's right. But what I think happened is the top part was where it says, um, that they have so much water. He said, "No, yeah, the uh, what I think is a, a Carson said this drought is being made worse by the politicians, something like that. Like not like we don't have a drought or we never had a drought, right? But the politicians spoke with hyperbole, and Trump then repeated it as a literal, mm. and then and then and so you 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 get this reporter." kind of nitpicking at something that isn't very substantive right. that's my opinion yes but I think on the merits you're right about that those are the example no there's another one what else was it well, Elections. The,
0: uh, yeah the last one was stolen elections and on that one the reporter is correct there is no evidence the election was stolen it was primarily poking fun at California and saying this was outside the normal stolen election uh, narrative this was it in California we've got problems you know he says how many people from California know people that got six seven eight ballots uh, zero zero that's the answer yeah exactly and just so you know the credibility of him about the stolen
1: election stuff he said he won california in 2016 right so the 2020 thing is ridiculous and we've seen that and they lose all the court cases and you know there were some close states but it, it, there wasn't one state he won that he uh didn't win yes california yes he said he won <laughs> right like if I wanted to say that I really won Wisconsin when I lost by nineteen thousand votes or right. Arizona by eleven thousand votes, I would just be all in on an Arizona argument and right. a and a Georgia argument and a Wisconsin argument. But then I go and also this other state I lost by four million. I really yeah. won that too, right. They were stuffing ballots with four million and one
0: <laughs> votes. Yeah, it's um, it, it, even Rolling Stone uh, popped in with their own assessment. They, you know, they they all have. It's almost like there's a limited thesaurus here for ways to describe a Trump speech. So here, you know, from uh, let's see, Sackby, we got a lengthy falsehood riddled speech. From Rolling Stone, we got a an hour and a half rambling speech. Uh, Demeaning Joe Biden's uh, cognitive abilities, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then says um, that. He denied uh, that that, uh, Trump dismissed climate change issues. Uh, Trump also dissed, here's the report from Rolling Stone, Trump also dissed California and its governor, Gavin Newsom, for the state's water shortage. Fair enough. But here's where Rolling Stone jumps in with its own opinion, which has been a result of warming temperatures and low precipitation attributed to climate change per the California Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment. So uh, let's quote an appointee of Gavin Newsom's to, to argue that any water problems in California are about climate change and therefore Trump can't be right that it can't be something else so um, that's Donald Trump meanwhile over at um, I I believe this was at NBC on meet the press uh, I just want
1: to make sure because you're not reading it I just want to make sure everyone knows the closing line of this please I always are here Republicans can't win California you can't win Trump said I will tell you if God came down and God was the vote checker I believe we'd win California <laughs> I'm sorry we believe this I'm guy sorry. is our, I mean this is our guy this is who we nominate uh, I just not even I can't I just don't even know what to say
0: well, let's, let's uh, save it then here for, you know, we got Trump at CPAC. We've got Gavin Newsom on Meet the Press on Sunday, where he made three points, uh, said any talk of his presidential aspirations as a Republican smear. He used the word canard. He defended Joe Biden in a way that was truly remarkable. We'll get to that. And he rolled out his red state abortion rights advertising campaign. As far as uh, not running, he said it's a damning conversation, frankly, the other side wants us to have. I'm deeply mindful of the anger machine. And all the entertainment industry out there on Fox and elsewhere, they, live, gen, they love ginning this stuff up about his his uh, possible uh, attempt to his desire to run for the for president. Uh, defending Joe Biden, uh, Gavin Newsom said in my favorite remark of that the entire interview. Um, no, 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 Biden's not old. He said, "Quote." It's because of the wisdom and character that's developed over years that we have the Chips and Science Act, the Infrastructure Bill, the PACT Act, and Safer Communities. He's he's basically saying uh, that Joe Biden is so wise because of his age Mm -hmm. that uh, he has introduced all these amazing policy solutions to problems. Um, Any thoughts there?
1: I I think that's the right I think right that's answer. What, that's what you should say. Okay, good, fair enough. I mean, I don't like. Do I think it's true? No, no but, but it's, I think it's the right our, uh the 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 um, political way of dealing with Reagan's age was to a uh, uh, very and a very charismatic yes and amenable way go to the experience and wisdom mm-hmm. card. It's one of the most famous moments in presidential debate Mondale, in history. Right, Mondale. Yeah, Mondale and started cracking up on stage. Said I knew. I walked off stage. Said I knew I lost the election. Yeah. And and I think that it, it was a charming moment. Reagan had a um, self-deprecating uh, talent. Yes. But um, in this case, I I do I think Biden even deserves credit for Chips Act. That's. I mean, I don't even think Chips Act is something I'd be bragging about. Uh, oh, I signed one of the biggest acts of corporate welfare mm-hmm. ever. I'm giving a whole bunch of money to NVIDIA yeah. that just became a $3 trillion company, a right. $2 trillion company, and I'm giving money to – so it's a, it's a bad piece of legislation riddled with all kinds of woke attachments that are an embarrassment. But even if I were proud of it, it was a bipartisan thing that had to be brought to Biden. He didn't help orchestrate it. But, but it doesn't matter. It's legislation that you want to brag about, and your guy did pass it. And he is old. Mm-hmm. So what else are you going to say besides his wisdom
0: helped yes. get it passed? Yeah, there you go. So I'm fine with that. That makes sense. Um, so I want to do this one part of the interview because um, it, we've, we've got some audio here that Lucas will play for us. But I think what's really fascinating is that Newsom also used, so first he's denying that he's running for president, but then as the you know all the reporters point out, he's got millions banked from the last failed recall um, attempt against him. And just as a quick footnote here, it's important, and this will become more material in just a moment but it's important to remember that in a recall election there are no campaign finance limits you can give a candidate as much you know a a, a politician a public official as much money as you want you can give as much as you want to the campaign to any pack it is unlimited and newsom knew that he was ultimately knew that he was going to just kick butt so he just banked tens of millions of dollars and put it in this uh pack that he's created so that he can advertise abroad and when i say abroad i mean in other states and this this ad that he is targeting right now features a young girl who is handcuffed to a hospital gurney because she came in looking for an abortion um but i want to really focus on this one part where Kristen welker i think I've, i think that's who it was on meet the press who was interviewing him tried is to she p-
1: the new host
0: I, I think she is. Uh, pardon me for not watching Meet the Press every Sunday, but you know,
1: famously, I, Chuck I Todd watched left. it for most of my life.
0: I bet you did, even mm. when you were like nine.
1: I could not. Oh, younger than that. Yeah, really? I bet. I'm telling you, um, Chuck Todd became unwatchable for me and I stopped watching it. Mm. And then I think that Kristen Welker replaced him and she makes my skin crawl
0: well this is fascinating i'll be interested to see what you think of this uh-huh. because this is a direct question she asks Newsom. they're talking about abortion about his ads that he wants to run in in red states that will encourage people to come to california and get an abortion encourage them to think poorly of their own home state for any limit on on uh, abortion and before we play that tape lucas i just want to say one last thing that he's aiming this ad specifically at tennessee that's where it was a aim- started to run on sunday and in tennessee what's at stake is not pro-choice or, you know, some kind of uh, abortion abolition bill, it's simply a bill that says minors must have their parents' approval to get the procedure, to get an abortion. It's parent notification, which at least, let's give Newsom credit for consistency, here in California, he also opposes parent notification. You know, we've talked on this show before, David, about how Cal Policy Center helped draft a policy for uh, for Assemblyman Bill Asaley when the, when the Assembly would not hear this bill, which simply said... Parents deserve the right to know if their kids are being transitioned at school. You should call them. And Newsom's response, Rob Bonta's response was, kids will die if we do this. If we notify their parents, their parents will kill these children who are transitioning out of a legitimate grievance with how God gave them their body. Yes. Um, So parent notification and abortion, same thing. So as I say, give Newsom some credit for consistency on this. That's all Tennessee's bill says is parents have a right to know what their minor daughter is up to up to if they she's going to undergo a, a surgery um so let's but when the subject comes back to abortion welker asks Newsom, like is there any limit on abortion for you any limit at all so why don't you go ahead and play that for us would you lucas Well, let me let me press you, though, Governor, do you think there is a week that access to abortion should be banned? I'm going to I think we've established that firmly in the context of what states are doing, like California, where we established a constitutional right to access abortion. And at the end of the day, I think that's a determination for women and doctors as it relates to the issues in California. We've established that firmly in the state constitution as it relates to getting into the debate around late term abortion. That's a complete canard. Getting into the debate about late term abortion is a complete canard um, yeah
1: so there you go um that means it's something that is so grotesque that Republicans make it up to to poison the well right um and and yet uh, the, the only reason why it'd be a canard is because we all know it's wrong and this this uh, microphone just healed itself I like it um you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, What you mean to say then is I favor it at 16 weeks because obviously I know that a 25th week abortion is just incom- incomprehensible. Right. But he won't say it. Right now, if you do think it's a canard meaning it's an exaggeration, I'm fine with saying that you think that they are taking a rare number of instances and trying to make it a normative point. Mm-hmm. but the problem is it should then you tell us what your normative right. point is right like like here's something I'll say I don't think there's a whole lot of high schoolers that are going around gang raping women right but I'm against high schoolers, gang raping women. (laughs) How did I deal?
0: For moral clarity. You answered the question. Thank you. I
1: think it is rare. Maybe it's never happened. Yeah. I do know that if it is, or did, or in the future might, it's disgusting and wrong. Yeah, it's an outrage. So why not just answer the question?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it's because the answer is unseemly. The truth is unseemly. It is politically untenable. So, you know, Newsom comes back in that same interview and says that what's going on in places like Tennessee is, quote, not just a war on reproductive health care, it's also, and here's the key phrase, it's also a war on women, and then here's my favorite sub-clause, it's also a war on women more broadly defined. Is it women who are more broadly defined or war that is more broadly defined he says it's also a war on women more broadly defined including as we know contraceptives Um, I choose to think that either way he's wrong I, I guess you could say that more broadly defining a war just means that you know limiting somebody's access to abortion in his mind is you know the equivalent of some kind of war but I just thought it was challenging to figure out whether men or women. I think
1: that that part too, like the brand of Gavin is, you know, I wonder honestly what Andrew Cuomo would say. Andrew Cuomo's pro choice. Andrew Cuomo would have the Democrat line, but he's at least rhetorically on this kick about like we have to bring, cool down the rhetoric and, and argue with one another in good faith. Like if I were a pro choice Democrat, I would not say the pro lifers are declaring a war on women, I would say they have a different opinion about the beginning of life mm-hmm. and that my opinion is that life begins at a different date and therefore the woman should make this decision with her doctor. Mm-hmm. I find that opinion to be wrong morally and legally. But that's what I would say if I were a pro-choice Democrat. Mm-hmm. But I swear to you, if I were a pro-choice Democrat, I would have total respect for pro-life, non or for just pro-lifers in general regardless mm-hmm. of partisan affiliation. Because they're not—they're obviously not forming their view based on being anti-women, right? But whether they're right or wrong, correct. The view is coming from a certain belief about sanctity of life and the yes. and the um, legal obligation to protect the life of
0: the unborn. Yeah, and for a guy who proclaims as Biden does his own Catholicity, you know, Newsom frequently refers to the fact that he was raised Irish. He was he was an, an Irish person by birth and raised, you know, Irish American and, and raised a Catholic. Um, I would think he would understand that. There are lots of us out here who are really skeptical about abortion. And when I say that, I mean, I am also equally open minded to listening to people who've been through the process and who really feel like, you know, what a tragedy for them. Uh, I, don't, I don't hate those people. I understand their motivations. But this is just you know, pure cynics, but what can you do? Um, so uh, w- I mentioned earlier that um, you know, Newsom had all this cash. It's in his Campaign for Democracy, this uh, pack that he seeded with millions of dollars in donations left over from the 2021 recall. You and I spoke— By the way, at- that
1: part, I mean, you want to get to the money thing. I just want to say back to what he said it's offensive yeah. that people are bringing this up. That's the funniest thing. Because obviously everyone knows he was in the position where he couldn't run and he wanted to be the front runner at whatever point Biden was either going to mm-hmm. choose not to mm-hmm. run or couldn't run. So this idea, like if it's offensive, you did it. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean it's offensive that we think you're going to try to sneak in? Right. You wanted to debate Ron DeSantis on Fox yeah. News? Right. Right i didn't do that you did it right i mean this is just so stupid yeah this isn't
0: yeah that that's why you know this most of his political speech is pure spin uh but that one that this is a canard and you know the democrat or the republicans rather want to paint us into a corner i'm not running uh oh but by the way let me show you this new ad campaign i'm running in tennessee uh you know just in case i decide to run i suppose so um We we mentioned this recall. You and I at the time in 2021 said that the great danger here was not that Newsom would be taken down, but that more likely he would not be taken down, but would be able to bank millions of dollars. And so he has. And now we see the outcome. But that hasn't stopped uh, the folks who were behind that 2021 recall for announcing they're ready for round two. Um, You know, but I, I think in talking to some of the activists involved in the campaign and they're not speaking for the campaign, I want to make that clear. They say that, in fact, it is important that the public know now. why Gavin Newsom is so hated in his home state by some people, and that they want to warn people nationally. And they think the best way to do that is to smother him with the heavy blanket of, uh, of a recall campaign. What will really happen, of course, is that lots of people will be unleashed on the left and among, you know, corporate types in California to prove their fealty to the great man by donating millions and millions of dollars to fight the recall, which Newsom will be able to deploy any way he wants, including in promotion of his own federal race for president, right? So um, I look at this as really an opportunity, I think— to help Newsom fund a presidential campaign if not 24 then perhaps 28 uh, from a story that was in I believe this is the LA Times uh, they contend the governor is too busy the activists in the recall campaign do is too busy occupying himself on national politics while the state is racing to close a massive budget shortfall. last week the nonpartisan LAO the legislative analyst office projected the state budget at about 73 billion dollar deficit nearly double Newsom's own forecast so um, one of the consultants involved is an orange County Consultant Dan Dunsmore, um, she had this to say, California needs a full-time governor who is fully focused on the serious problems of this state and its citizens. This may be our last opportunity to rescue and restore our state while we highlight for the rest of the country the destruction Newsom has left in his wake. David, let's move on to uh, other politics here. Katie Porter uh, being interviewed on uh, CNN says that the killing of one person by an illegal immigrant should not reshape, should not spin or misshape uh, our immigration policy. This comes in the wake of the young woman at, uh, I believe it was University of Georgia. She's a Georgia college student for sure. Uh, And I think her name was Laken Riley. I have that in my notes here somewhere. Pardon me for not having that totally well-ordered. But uh, Porter appears on on CNN and says, Well, I think what a horrible tragedy like this happens, she means when a tragedy like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing with violent crime, there's a sense of outrage, of sadness, and loss. But I think the important thing is to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy, which has so many facets, including economic choices about what workers to allow in and how to create prosperity in America. So the situation is tragic, and it's a loss, and it's important to acknowledge all that, but... Big but also to recognize all the other how all the other parts of immigration policy fit together. That's just me reading from the transcript here. So, um, I, you know, I, I quickly I, I remember that there were cases where people had written essays about, you know, real vile people getting into the country. And I've tracked down this one from Hannah Davis over at Heritage. Uh, she wrote this uh, about a year ago. And it is replete with examples. In 2023 alone, she writes Border Patrol agents have encountered thousands of illegal aliens who turned out to have prior criminal convictions, including assault, rape, murder. The true extent of their crimes committed by illegal aliens remains unknown because there's over 1.5 million unaccounted for. Uh, a 2021 Department of Justice report reveals that just 7%, though. Non-citizens represent just 7% of America's population. They account for 64% of federal arrests in 2018. That's a report from the Justice Department in 2021. Uh, several chilling examples she offers, uh, because we may have sensitive listeners, I won't describe every single one of them, but let me just say there's a, a dozen or more examples this person offers us of people who were um, murdered in particularly gruesome ways in the US by people who were here illegally. Um, and in the case of the young woman who was murdered in Georgia, we find out that her killer, a guy named Jose Antonio Barra, uh, who came here from Venezuela, killed Lake and Riley after he had been arrested by the by Customs um, Border Patrol in 2022 and released, and then was arrested again in New York City for having committed injury to a child. Now, I don't know what that means, and it's just not been clear in any of the reporting I could find, but serious injury to a child sounds deadly serious. And he was released there because New York City is a sanctuary city and would not cooperate with federal officials. Let him out, and he then pops up in Georgia just in time to murder murder a uh, young college student on a uh, jogging on a track at the school. Hey, did
1: you watch the video with Aaron Burnett at CNN when Katie Porter said
0: this? I did. I did. Yeah. Did Aaron Burnett push back at all? Uh, no, not that I could tell. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there she. There was did. a
1: time she was a, a credible reporter. She's become yeah. a complete sellout.
0: In fairness, I looked at a very truncated uh, clip, so it's entirely possible that, that Aaron Burnett did. But um, Oh,
1: I see. It's the clip that's embedded at Daily Caller.
0: That's the one, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they may have truncated. They
0: it. may have. Uh, so, in fairness, you know, Aaron Burnett, CNN, may not be culpable of anything here except giving a, uh, a platform to a person who is really just under-equipped to run in any kind of political race and now wants to be a U.S. Well, senator that, Well, from that's California. certainly
1: true. The Democrat Party's policy on immigration, the facilitation of fraudulent migrant claims, the existence of sanctuary cities, all of these things they have to own. If all Katie Porter was saying was that when you have one, extremely bad thing that happens that is not connected to the underlying policy. It is unfair to gauge the policy on one mm-hmm. uh, outrageous exception to the rule that is not a rule. That, as a matter of basic logic mm-hmm. and prudential policymaking, I would be completely right. in agreement with Katie Porter. The issue here is that that's not what is going on. Um, I don't think it is a very wide, a very big majority of those that are here illegally or committing violent crimes, but it's more than one. It is statistically meaningful. It is a small percent, but it is uh, all unacceptable. But also, if there were not violent crimes being committed, the um entire structure of their policy is still wrong. Right. So in other words, she's saying, Like, what I would say is, hey, don't judge our border policy because of this awful murder. Judge it because of all the other reasons it sucks. (laughs) That that would be kind of like what she, I I don't know. I I think there's a sense in which I found myself wanting to, like, be sympathetic because I don't like the nut picking, which is this is sort of an extreme case of it applying as something normative what to out of what is really kind of an exception, not the rule. In this case, though, the problem is the rule itself the Democrats are so wrong on.
2: Yes. This is a message from our friends at American Habits from the State Policy Network. We the people, do you ever think about what that means and what happened to it? We the people certainly did not mean an imperial city full of unelected bureaucrats deciding everything from kindergarten curricula to nursing home funding formulas. We the people mean self-government, a free people deciding most things in their families and communities and delegating some authority to their towns and states while passing along just a small amount of that power to the national government. How did things get so upside down at American Habits? We tell stories of real people with real solutions, all working to restore federalism and self-government. If you're a public official, Come get involved. If you're a citizen, come and see the new standard for American leadership. No matter who you are, come help us renew the forgotten but not lost habit of American self. government Visit AmericanHabits.org to learn more. That's AmericanHabits.org. Dot org. Uh, let's
0: move on to, um, I, I highlighted this one for you in our notes, David, uh, I call this four March 5th races to watch March 5th, Tuesday coming up here. And we've got, uh, a pile of elections all over the state. And rather than focus on some of the primary real primary races, I just wanted to say that there are four that I'll be watching David. And I recommend these to our listeners just, you know, as kind of signposts for where things might be headed. And I'm not by any sense saying this is exhaustive when people ask me like, which races are you watching? This is what I tell them. Uh, you and I've already discussed number one that's uh proposition one in fact that's Gavin Newsom's bid to get seven billion dollars for uh, mental health care for the homeless are uh, you and I've already discussed this at great length in a previous podcast but um, you know this we, we've had Gavin Newsom now saying for 20 years that he was going to cure homelessness either as mayor of San Francisco or as governor and he has spent in the last five years about 20 million 20 billion dollars and homelessness has actually grown in that time since uh, since 2018 so 20 billion dollars yields an increase he wants about 7 billion more and um It will, as we said before, really not do what he says it'll do. 11,000 new homes and rehab beds. This is still part of that failed Housing First policy which says all you need to give a homeless person to make them not homeless is a home, then they're not homeless anymore. Uh, Most of them need rehab, so some of this goes to rehab, but that's about $600,000 per bed. $600,000 per bed that he wants to pay for to serve just a fraction, about 11,000 people. Uh, Principal and interest on that, we're talking about $310 million on uh, for th- about 30 years. So this is another huge hit to the budget, which Heath and Newsom will push off to future generations. In 30 years, I will no longer be here, likely, at the <laughs> actuarial table. You can't believe I'm here today. Actuarial
1: tables? Yeah, you know. Please.
0: Uh, okay, so that's one, David, that I'm watching. Uh, and as I say, you and I have talked about that one. Another one that was really interesting to me was... Um, Race number two is the Orange County Board of Education, which I'm hesitant to uh, talk about only because I am closely tied to some of the folks in that board. Uh, Mary Barkey, who uh, has been president there. This is a conservative board. It is now a 5-0 conservative board. This Board of Education has become the target of the California Teachers Association, in part because it has become so utterly successful in blunting teacher union demands and in accelerating school choice for people, at least in the forms that California allow, and that is interdistrict transfers. That's a, that's something where parents can move from one school district to another, or one failed school to a better one in their own district. But it's John Funn's piece of writing a National Review that really caught my attention. Did you happen to catch that one?
1: I did, and right now it's not opening on my computer, but I read it previously. Um, but I have every other piece open. I think there's something going on the NRO website. But I, there was something I wanted to highlight from it. Um, John Fund's very solid on this issue.
0: Yes. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, well, you look for that. I'll just say, he says, politics at the local level now often centers on races for school boards as parents, infuriated by the woke politics of public schools, clash with progressive teacher unions, which often elect the very school boards they then negotiate with on contracts for their members. Perhaps, Fund continues, the battle that puts those fights and sharpest relief will take place on March 5th in California's Orange County, where three seats on the county's five-member Board of Education are on the ballot. He lays out the reasons that this school board has been particularly effective, you know, as I mentioned before, approving a huge number of charter schools, opposing critical theory, supporting parent notification. This is the school board that not only, uh, and full disclosure here, accepted as its own document, the white paper that I wrote for them on COVID and schools in the late spring of 2020, you <sighs> In which, you know, I looked at all the science, interviewed a bunch of doctors, and concluded there is no reason to keep schools locked down. It will do more harm than good. And this was a widespread opinion. This was not unique to me or CPC or this podcast where you and I talked about this at great length, pointing out that kids were not getting, passing on, or dying from COVID at anything like the rate everybody else did. In fact, even today, the number of kids under 18 who died from COVID is 0.0%, 0. 0%, 0%. Percent of the total who died old people and people with underlying comorbidities we all remember that so this board endorsed that paper's findings and was shot up almost literally by teacher union progressives who tried to shut them down so this still has them itching and you know we've got video at at uh, CPC of these teachers meeting on public Zoom calls calling for this board to be recalled as a kind of a test path for their way to destroy other school boards around the county, around the state that they don't like. So um, I'm going to be watching that one real close on March 5th, David. Did you find the line you were looking for?
1: Well, just I wanted to point out that he said something that I very, very rarely see people point out, that when they passed – um, their motion it was four to one to fully reopen schools without requiring masks that it was not binding on the county's 28 school districts right there was a total subsidiarity in the way it operated and not only was I utterly thrilled with the content of what they did but the process and John pointed that out yeah. so if I were again if I was inside of a district that then was going to reopen, and the county board had passed something allowing it but leaving it within our discretion, I was not forbidden. Uh, I, in other words, they did not force this right. to happen. That's right. And and I don't understand why that doesn't get covered. You would think civil
0: libertarians would be really thrilled with the way they went about. Absolutely, it. yeah. This was always offered as guidance uh, to this to the local school districts in Orange County. Yeah. It was not, you know, there was no attempt on the part of this board to shut down those school districts. And further, this was the county board of education, the one county board of education that actually sued Newsom over the school closures and his emergency orders to do that. Uh, so this has been a you know this has been a board that put itself in the crosshairs of the far left and the and the Newsom lovers. Uh, v- Election uh, issue number three is the LA US school board race. There's a lot of amazing candidates there running against teacher union hacks. One of those I just want to highlight is uh, a guy named Khalid Al Alim, who was in not only endorsed by the United Teachers of Los Angeles, um, but has also um, been the beneficiary of their walking teams. You know, they have deployed the teachers union has deployed hundreds of teachers into that district to support uh, Al Alim. And um, it turns out the guy's an anti-Semite with an affection for the Nation of Islam tracks and pornography and guns, which he proudly displayed on Twitter. Only one of those three things mm-hmm. is a problem. For I you, agree with you for the left. Yes, um, they don't care about anti-Semitism. They don't care <clears throat> much about porn. But boy, I mean, the they. anti-Semitism could very well be a feature, not uh, a bug. I th- I think in the case of the L.A. Teachers Union, the, it porn, certainly the is.
1: porn thing it might be a feature for some, a bug for others. But let's mm. call it a draw. But the guns thing, you just you can't have that. You
0: can't have that. So this is a story by LA Times reporter Howard Bloom, and I know that I bag on the LA Times quite frequently, and I think deservedly, but Howard Bloom is an education reporter there who I really admire. And full disclosure, he and I worked together, he was at LA Weekly, I was at OC Weekly, we interacted an awful lot, and I still have uh, tremendous respect for his reporting. This was a great story, and two days later, the uh, teachers union after an emergency meeting decided that maybe mister Alalim was not for them after all. Um, Just one quick example. So to praise, uh, he tweeted about 18 months ago, according to Howard's story, um, proposing that the book from the Nation of Islam, The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews, How Jews Gained Control of Black America, the book accuses Jews of stealing prosperity from black people, their 40 acres and a mule, and of collaborating with and even financing racial terrorists such as the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. According to Nation of Islam and uh, Khalid Al-Alim, the teachers' union erstwhile candidate for school board in L.A., uh, believe that Jews financed the Klan. This will come as a huge surprise to Jews who were murdered by the Klan and otherwise terrorized, but there it is. Um one other note about the the phony outrage about alim uh, was that the la county federation of labor also suspended campaign activities on behalf of mr alim the labor federation reported spending no funds but its action Howard notes, is symbolically notable. Here's their statement. In a world where our most vulnerable communities are experiencing increased instances of hate and violence, we expect our endorsed candidates to embody values that promote equity and diversity. That from the L.A. County Federation of Labor, which, David, you'll remember. Was the meeting? They were the host of the meeting at which LA's Latino political establishment, including the federation's president Ron Herrera, maligned black people, maligned people Mexican immigrants from Oaxaca because they are short and ugly, according to one of these uh, one of these local officials. And um, Herrera, subsequent, when a secret tape of that meeting emerged, uh, Herrera quickly resigned. So um, the only thing the it. only
1: thing I want to say mm-hmm. is that he said.
0: Mr. Olalim? He's
1: running to be a superintendent of a school where presumably they're going to teach English. Uh. And he said, we not burning or banning our future. We not playing. Yeah. And I just want to point out that regardless of the content, I think that grammatically, we have some (laughs) issues.
0: (laughs) I think it would be more fun and not surprising at all to find out that the guy's like an English grammarian from Harvard and that he does this in order to pass... Um, in the community, but I could be wrong. Uh, final race to watch, David. This is actually a two for one deal. Oh, I, you know what? Though I will say the cow. I, I, maybe this isn't Howard, your friend, but it could be the
1: general coverage. He point out that he's liked post with Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. Right. With Kyrie's persona non grata for the left because of vaxes, and Kanye is obviously persona non grata with the Trump. With Trump, and then also he just lost his mind. But like, what are the odds? But he also liked Louis Farrakhan mm. and 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 others that are, I mean, just the Nation of Islam in general. You know, the that's also overtly anti-Semitic, and it doesn't get the same call out. People have been liking Louis Farrakhan and 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 Nation of Islam postings that were anti-Semitic. Al Sharpton has his own show on msnbc for years and we know what he said about hymie town in the mm-hmm. in new york in the mm-hmm. 90s mm-hmm. so like th- th- it's kind of a, a easy example yeah there's a layup just saying
0: <laughs> a layup Kyrie. Irving.
1: but we but look at the end of the day will i hope you agree with me we not burning no we, we not playing we're not playing
0: we. Not no, myself. not where. Sorry. Is. I just can't break the habit. Uh, okay, so f- the fourth story to watch. Uh, and as, as I say, this is really a twofer. It's from San Francisco. Here's the headline. Critics attack London Breed's billionaire-backed police ballot measure as dangerous to the public. Here's uh, the story. The crime has gone nuts in the city, but not everyone is supportive of this, of London Breed's solution because it involves police from the San Francisco Chronicle. Be backed by Mayor London Breed. Proposition E would allow the police department to more easily set up surveillance cameras across the city. It would loosen rules around police chases and lessen the amount of paperwork police officers are required to submit after use of force incidents. It would also diminish the power of the San Francisco Police Commission. Uh, Critics say the measure is racist because police are racist. They use as evidence the fact that though blacks represent just 5% of the city's population in San Francisco, 44% of San Francisco PD arrestees are black. Uh, It is classist. Um, because tech millionaires, whom the Chronicle calls super-rich, back the measure. If you add super to anything, it's great. Just ask people in the NFL. And protesters have showed up outside those companies' offices to rally against the measure. And here's Assistant Public Defender Angela Chan, who is among the de- the critics of London Breed's measure, e- Proposition E. Quote, for each provision in this ballot measure, we need to do the opposite. We need less surveillance, more of privacy rights. We need fewer police pursuits in one of the densest American cities, not more. We need more independent oversight, not less. And we need use of force to be more transparent, not less. A breed put out the proposition because, of course, crime is a problem in San Francisco. This is not merely a kind of uh, a narrative of the far right and the Fox Entertainment people, as uh, Newsom would have it. And the mayor is also in a very tough re-election campaign against two main challengers, uh, Mark Farrell and Daniel Lurie. Both of those candidates, it should be noted, those are her tough, that's her toughest competition. Both support Proposition E. Uh, so, David, that's what I'm going to be watching uh, Tuesday, and just a reminder to our listeners that I'll be watching that from probably uh, an airplane uh, as I land in uh, Nuremberg, so I'll be gone next week. Um, finally, David... Um, You know, speaking of San Francisco, I just want to talk about a couple of of final stories here, and then we'll get out of here. Um, A story in The Economist, how San Francisco staged a surprising comeback. The Economist, as a reporter after my own heart, uh, begins the whole story about San Francisco's resurgence, its surprising comeback, as she calls it. By going to Ghent in modern-day Belgium, that was at the core of the burgeoning global wool trade in the 13th century. The first initial public offering took place in Amsterdam in 1602. London was the financial center of the first wave of globalization during the 19th century, and today that city is San Francisco. Um, She makes this argument because she says there's a breakthrough uh, in technology. It's artificial intelligence that has caused a bull market in American stocks in which many people hope will power a global productivity surge. Almost all big AI startups have their headquarters in the Bay Area, which includes San Francisco and the Silicon Valley. Uh, Open AI is there, of course, so are Anthropic, Databricks, and Scale AI. Tech giants, including Meta and Microsoft, are also spending heavily on AI in the city. According to Brookings Metro, a think tank last year, San Francisco accounted for close to a tenth of all generative AI job postings in America. More than anywhere else, David, in America, New York, with four times as many residents, was second. So uh, the question she asks, how is this happening in a city that's falling apart, and her argument is. They do have a problem with public safety in San Francisco. This alone, this surge in AI investment and job offerings, even though the headline says it's a surprising comeback, it's not clear when you actually get down into the story, David, that this AI investment bull market is going to actually have the impact of helping the, the city bail itself out of public safety problems. What do you make of this, David, this idea?
1: I mean, first of all, the the net number is not presented.
0: I I noticed that. I'm not a numbers guy, so I wanted to ask. The net number is negative. Tell me. What do you mean by that?
1: The the gross number of new jobs uh, that have Ah. come to uh, San Francisco as a result of AI, minus the jobs that have have left San Francisco total because of the post-COVID reality, um, is a negative number. I mean, wouldn't that be the operative number for this article?
0: It would seem to be the most important. It's not in there. And in fact, to find out what total employment in the region looks like, you have to go elsewhere. I found a story from the Mercury News. But also,
1: it says, a financial database at the start of 2014, firms in the Bay Area attracted four times more venture funding. By end of 2020, two and a half times as much. So, it's a downward trend. Of funding in San Francisco-based mm-hmm. companies, mm-hmm. and then that ends in 2020. And since then, I know that the, the funding is totally
0: yes uh, dried up. This has been a global story. Yeah. yeah. So this seems like a, a a wild dart game in an English pub when the uh, the, the, dare, the the darts have gone awry. Um, but in the Mercury News, we get a story: the Silicon Valley job boom ends for now as employment growth slows down. Uh, So at the same time that we're talking about, you know, growth in the tech industry, and that's what, you know, Silicon Valley generally means all the way up into San Francisco. Silicon Valley's job boom has hit a pause, this reporter uh, characterized it as. And while the region is still adding workers, the pace of hiring was markedly slower in 2023 than the year before. New report shows over the one year period that ended June 2023, Silicon Valley added about 2,700 jobs the report determined that's a sharp slowdown from the eighty-eight thousand jobs. So eighty-eight thousand versus twenty-seven hundred that the region added a, the year before.
1: Yeah, this uh, just strikes point. me as an article that was written as a um, NAT in search of a windshield.
0: Mm. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Mm-mm. That's really good. Thank you. Wish I'd thought of that. All right. Last story for us today, David, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, critical race theory ban at Temecula Valley Unified stands for now. Judge rules. That's from the LA Times. So just to refresh our listeners' memories, because you and I have covered the story of Temecula Valley Unified, they um, they decided to follow along with a few of the, the school boards that CPC is working with and block critical race theory instruction in the classrooms. A Riverside County judge ruled that a group of parents and teachers who wanted to stop that didn't have grounds to do it that he didn't see really any any real problem with this <clears throat> pardon me uh, the LA times characterizes critical race theory this way it's a legal framework taught at some universities that examines how racial inequality good heavens, pardon me, that examines how racial inequality and racism are systematically embedded in American institutions. It is not just a legal theory taught at some universities. It is taught in schools of public education, in the Cal State system and the UC system. In fact, we have countless examples in California of departments of education Uh, at these Cal State schools refusing to allow their teachers to intern anywhere where critical theory is being suspended because they regard CRT as not just a legal framework and not just one that's being taught at some universities, but that is being taught in in their teacher courses as a reliable way of understanding, you know, a pedagogical tool, as one of them called it uh, here in Southern California. Um, so on Friday, Judge Eric Keene denies the request to suspend the, um, the ban on critical race theory. He rejects the argument that the district's policy is unclear. In an eight-page ruling, he says, the board's resolution sets out very specific elements of critical race theory that cannot be taught. He added that resolution, this is from the LA Times story, he added that resolution limits the, the resolution limits instruction on critical race theory to a subordinate role within a larger instructional framework, and it focuses on the flaws of the curriculum. He says, It seems clear to the court that a person of ordinary intelligence, ouch, would have a reasonable opportunity to know what is prohibited, as what is prohibited is set out specifically in the, resi- the resolution. He goes on to say of the parent notification policy, and again, all parent notification says is if your kid is going to be sexually transitioned at school, the parents must be notified. That's all it says. Uh, He writes, that policy applies equally to all students in the district is gender neutral, does not expressly single out transgender or gender nonconforming students, as it really applies to any student's request to change their school official or unofficial records. What he's saying there is that if you go to the school district as a student and you try to change the way in which you are referred to, named, uh, you know, whatever – changing your, your student your records, the parents have a right to know that. It's about transparency. So um, big win for... Yeah. Um, for parents and for brave public officials out in Temecula Valley, and a big loss for Rob Bonta. Where it go from here? Uh, well, this is only a preliminary decision. The judge uh, is expected to or- make his final order, but everybody I talk to who's, uh, you know, a graduate of a law school and barred in California to-, to talk reasonably tells me it is rare for a judge to make this kind of declaration and then reverse it in his final uh, statement. So, um for now he's just saying that this case gets you know the the case will go forward but the, and but he is not going to stop Temecula Valley. This was just an effort to stop it now because these parents backed by the teachers union had declared an absolute health catastrophe if this was allowed to go through. Yeah. All right. So David that's uh, that's all I've got anything else for you? No, my friend,
1: uh <clears throat> you had a lot of good stuff in there today.
0: Well, thanks to you and thanks to all of our listeners for spending their time with you and me. You can always find Radio Free California on the National Review website, but it would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe. You can email us your comments and story suggestions. That's how I literally got almost all of these stories. Thank you, dear listeners. On behalf of my friend and co-host, David Bonson, we give thanks, as ever, to session producers Lucas Klaus, Brian Tong, and Glenn Hall, and also to our friend at National Review, that's podcast producer Sarah Schutte. Thanks also to Metalachi. That's the LA-based mariachi metal band for our music, La Re- Revolución continúa en la semana próxima.